the Gospel according to St. John, the 15th chapter. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friend. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The Gospel of our Lord. So this is a special Sunday, but it's not necessarily special because it is a Sunday that we are reviewing great, big, epic, historical events as far as, you know, like wars and armies and, and political things within the cities and swirlings of people. It's not that kind of a big day. It's also not a day that has like mind-blowing theological concepts and mysteries. It's not a big day in that we have miraculous healings and seas being calmed. It's, it's not really that kind of a day at all. On this day, it's the sixth Sunday of Easter out of seven. It's the Sunday before the ascension of our Lord. The church will celebrate or commemorate the ascension of our Lord this Thursday, May 10th. That's the day that the church remembers that Jesus went back to sit at the right hand of our Father in heaven. So this will be his last day speaking, his last Sunday with his disciples. So on this day, again, we're remembering last words. Now, last week we, we mentioned this because today's gospel lesson is a kind of a two-part. Last week we had the first eight verses of this chapter. Today we take verses nine, 9 through 17. We take the next piece of this message. Last week we had a theme of, of something a little bit different than this week. But I need to, last words. I like, want to jump ahead to what that is. Forgive me. On the, on the idea of last words, last week we remembered the importance of last, last words. When you're in a place where you're saying your last words, it's unique. If it's your last words, that's, that's what it means. You don't get another chance. So a lot of times when you're saying your last words, it might be a swirling kind of an environment. It might be very heavy with emotions. It might be very heavy with just demands and pressures of decisions. A lot is going on when you're in last moments and last words before you're sending someone or you're being sent and you're not going to see them again. And in all the chaos and all the heartfelt stuff that's going on there, most of the time to keep your last words well, you keep them simple. You keep them, because the busier stuff gets, the more tunnel vision you get. So you need to keep it real simple. So your last words will be simple, because you can't allow for complexity. But notice something about last words, they're almost, well, not always, but a lot of times they're very, they're heartfelt. When you're saying a goodbye, when you're having a last chance, they matter to you. It's from your heart. 
It might not come out right in the communication of the words, but your heart's pouring out into your last words. You're sending words. It's also, in your last words, typically have things about ultimate importance. If you don't get another chance to speak something, what you say is going to be the most important things you say. If you've got 30 seconds to say something to somebody, because you're not going to see them again, you're going to be parted and forever separated until you see them again in heaven. In that moment, they're going to be like ultimate words. They're going to be words you want them to remember. So that when they only imagine your face, or when they just see a picture, when they watch a sunset, when they see a flower, whatever it is, when they see that, that they remember that last moment. It means it will be a treasure, your last words. What's a parting gift that you can give to your beloved? The ones that are tender to your heart when you're not going to see them for a while. Your treasure. And you also want them to live it. A lot of times I've listened to people in last words. They just don't give the words because they're insightful. They don't give the words because they love them and it's tender. They give them the words because they want them to live fully. When I'm gone, I want everybody I'm saying goodbye to to fully live. Don't, I mean, miss me a little bit. Sure, that's fine. But in the, in the bigger part is live absolutely every day, every moment. Make the most out of this gift that God has given you. Your last words, a lot of times, that's part of it. Yes, I'm not here, but boy, you still are. You make the most. Have a great time. Remember, I'm with you. I'm watching. I'm, I mean, last words. So that's the context of today's lesson because on Thursday, he ascends. There's no more conversation. We're remembering at that point. There's no more interaction like this. That's the church here part that we're in right now. Last week, in these last words, we thought about the word abide. That was the first part. And that word abide, he used like 20 times. He uses the word a lot in just a few sentences. And abide, what a word that is. A tender, a close, it's a relationship. It's a healed, beautiful place abiding with somebody. He says to abide. But this week, there's a little bit of a difference of a word. Just even though it's in the same basically paragraph, it moves from abiding to the next part. The last words for the day is going to be the word love. I'm going to read the lesson again. I want you to count how many times the word love is used. We have nine verses. Count how many times Jesus says the word love in his last words. Here we go. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay their life down for their friends. If you are my friends, you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. I call you friend. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you, and I appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit you should abide. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. How many times was the word love used? I counted nine. So if you got nine, yes. 
you have a hard time holding up your fingers, Mr. Music. <laughs> he was all enthusiastic. Nine. <laughs> That's funny right there. Shake his left hand sometime, you'll know. Nine times. Nine verses. Nine times Jesus uses the word love. He is saying goodbye to his friends. And he says the word love. Abide. I love you. Love one another. There was another word that was mentioned in this that was special for us. It's not, all, it's not used a lot in this New Testament, but the word was friend. Did you hear that mentioned in there? I don't call you servants anymore. I mean, you're not, you're not followers. You're my friends. Everything I have, I've given to you. You have walked with me, all that, that sort of stuff. So I'm just curious. Last week we talked about what does the word abide mean? That's kind of the congregational interaction point. So what would you say the word friend means? If you were to try to describe the definition of friend to someone who didn't know the definition, what would be some of the things you would say? Talk, talk them out. What? A partner? What else? There's a lot. Someone you care about? Someone you can count on. What else about friends? Trust. There's a trust. Yep. What else? Someone that will accept you. Like a confidant. Someone that, yeah, there's some privacy and discreet, and you can be, you know, I guess you have confidence that your innermost things would be safe. What's that? Have some fun. (laughs) I was wondering if someone's going to add that. Something to have some fun with. Yes. What else? Someone who's there? A sister, a companion, someone who's special. What else? Anything else come to mind? If you mess up, it's okay. If you mess up, it's okay. Gosh, good stuff. Well, if you're looking at a definition of it, this would be some of the thoughts that you could get on the definition. A favored companion. So the idea of companion, but a favored. You know, there's a lot of people you might walk down the road with but there's a few that you want to walk down the road with. So a favored companion. Um, someone that's attached either by like your affection or your esteem. Like someone that you have a respect for. You know, something, there's something about friend with that. An acquaintance. Here's one that I thought that was really kind of cute. Someone that's not hostile. <laughs> right? If nothing else, a friend is someone who's just not hostile towards you. We'll take that. That's, that's kind of a minimalist approach, but if you've got that, at least, you know, think about in war. Are you friend or foe? You know, Joshua, you met the guy outside the camp. I mean, are, are you with us or against us? I mean, how do I interact with this? So someone who's not my hostile. Um, here's another one with friend. Someone is of the same nation, party, army, community, so on. Someone of your group. Um, one that favors or promotes something. Like if you're a friend to a museum, that means you're probably giving them some money, right? So if you're a friend of the system, some ideas with friend. But curious thing about all of our talk so far about friend is that we often define a friend um, by what a friend does, like who a friend is, right? I'm almost like a Christian. If you think about Christian you can look at a definition of Christian much the same way you look at that same definition of a friend. It's not by just what they say, it's by what they do. You can have someone say you're my friend and, and they're not acting like your friend. There's a lot of people that say they're Christian. There's not a lot of evidence in their life that they're Christian. And here, Christian. So now if Jesus is calling them friend, 
What does that friend look like? If they're Christian, what does Christ-like look like? Well, Jesus, every week, he would worship his Father. The Sabbath, he, he honored the Sabbath. And he rested with his Father. He was in his Father's house, reading his Father's Word, and he was engaging that Word with his friends. That's what he did on the Sunday. That's what he did on the Sunday, on the Sabbath. He made sure he rested with his friends. He honored the commandment. Then he prayed. How many times do we read about Jesus praying? What a beautiful thing to have that as a prayer. Christians pray. And Jesus was learning. He was reading the word. He was participating in that from a child. Jesus gave. Another thing that Christians do is they give. They just pour it out. Jesus gave everything. If you just hold on to it, that's not very Christ-like. It's not Christian. Giving away is Christ-like. Jesus served he invited people, and he mentored people. Those are the seven bottom line core things that Christians do because that's what Jesus did. And a lot of those things are like friends. A lot of them like friends. Now, with that in mind, I'm going to share a story that's both last words and about being a friend. Here's the story. Mark was walking home from school one day. As he was walking home, he noticed in front of him along the sidewalk as he was walking that a boy in front of him, I think about the same grade, they're both about eighth graders at this point, he tripped somehow or another, and the stuff that he was carrying in his arms, he had a loaded backpack, that stuff he carried in his arms started falling over. And as he tried to gather one thing, something else fell, and he just kind of came apart. All the stuff was just hitting the ground. The stuff that hit the ground was his jacket, he had that in one arm, his extra baseball cap, his baseball glove, a bat that he had taken, a music, one of those little recorder things, that fell on the ground. The books and some of the papers were starting to blow around. And this guy's he's frantically trying to gather this stuff up, frustrated in the moment. Um, it's just like, again, like this world was coming apart. So this guy, Mark, is this kid's walking by him. Mark kneels down beside him. He says, hey, uh, can I help you? And he says, yeah. And that's what Mark did. He helped. He helped the boy start picking up the papers first so he wouldn't blow off. He kind of stacked them and kind of tucked them in place and held on to those. And the boy's picking up his baseball glove and his hat. Before you know it, the two guys had everything in their hands, their backpacks on still. And he says, well, let, let me help you carry this. We're both going the same way. Well, I'll help you get to your house. So they, off they go. And as they're walking, they get to, his, this kid's name was Hayden. They get to Hayden's house first because Mark's was just a little bit further. So Mark helping him get to the door, walk up the steps, get into Hayden's house. And while Hayden's there, he says, well, you know, you want to you come in? I, I, I got soda. We got Gatorades. We got whatever. We got some snacks. Why don't you come on in? I'll give you a snack. Thanks. And uh, so Mark said, sure. So he goes on and carries the stuff, sets down. And while they're in there and they're talking, they realize, I mean, Mark's realizing that Hayden likes video games. He likes video games. The same ones, actually. Hayden really likes baseball. He's really into baseball and all this world about baseball. And he kind of likes baseball, too. And um, so they're sharing their stories. They're sharing their time. They start, you know, laughing about some of the same things. They start play, they play a game or two together. They're just sharing time together. Well, Mark realizes it's getting a little bit late. He's got to get home. Mom's going to probably get a little bit nervous. So he starts his way towards the door. And just before he goes to his door, secretly, because he had received this at church the Sunday before, he takes a little paper, much like this, and he just lays it on a stack of stuff that Hayden had by, by in his room. And he just laid it there. He didn't say much. He just laid it there. And then he, he went on his way home. Well, these were the last days of the school year. So uh, Mark's hanging out with Hayden over the lunch hour, sharing their lunch hour, eating their lunches together for like the last week of school. 
they graduate from the eighth grade, they go to high school. Something about the summertime, they were not always, they weren't great friends, but they knew each other. They kept in contact a little bit. The next school year, when they're freshmen, they start going their own ways. You know, one's more interested in music, one is more interested in sport, whatever it was, they kind of separate. And before you know it, here's the last day of their, their senior year, and they're going to be graduating. It's coming up. And then that last week, they just got in their photo books, their yearbooks. And Hayden found Mark, and he said, Mark, I'd like you to sign my book. Can I sign yours? Mark said, sure, absolutely. So they both sat down, and they started writing down some words. And this is what the message that Hayden wrote. He wrote, Do you remember the day we met? Did you ever wonder why I was carrying a full backpack with so many other things home with me that day? You see, I cleared out my locker because I did not want to leave a mess for anybody else. I had a large number of my mother's sleeping pills and I was going to go home and take them. I was going to go to sleep forever. But you noticed my dropping things. You noticed my coming apart. And unlike all the cold or mean people at school, you helped me as if I was your friend. You might not remember it, but you called me your new friend. You even left this paper. You saved my life. Thanks, old friend. And he put that same paper back into the yearbook. Now, five years later. Now, thinking of that story, Hayden was a hurting young person. And actually, I know because I get to listen to our stories in this community, there is a tremendous amount of ugly things happening and hard things happening in the lives of this people across our country. We're no different. Every day we have people fighting with with cancers and physical ailments. Every day we have people worrying about how they're going to say goodbye. Every day I have mean people hurting each other. And then how you deal with that? How do you say you're sorry? How do you how you offer forgiveness? How you forgive people that don't even apologize? We have people wounding each other here and around this world, and they're hurting. It just happens. So it wasn't just Hayden hurting. It's a people hurting. And while Hayden thought that he had no friends, while he thought that without friends and without, you know, in this story, Hayden, Mark found out also that Hayden was having a hard time in school and that he he was actually failing a couple classes. He just could not get math. On top of that, Hayden's girlfriend on that day had told him that um, she found someone who's more cute and they broke up. There's a lot of people hurting. So anyway, without a friend, without a girlfriend, with the pressures of school and all the stuff going on in his family, the joy of living faded away and he had no hope. But Mark, Mark was a friend. Not just a friend, Mark was a Christian. And his simple act of noticing, you know, when he was at church just a week before, he had gotten that that paper and the, and the, the, the church leaders there in, encouraged everybody at that church sometime that week, take that paper and be a friend to somebody, someone that you'd never met, someone you might not ever meet again, but just do something because God loves you and you're going to love him if only for a moment in time. And this Mark took that paper to life and he made it come to life. His simple act of noticing his simple act of helping, of walking 
someone to his house made a life and death difference. And he didn't even know it. And it's true, you know. Every time you, a Christian, say hello to someone you notice might be down. Every time you offer a smile and a kind word to someone who's dragging. Every time you notice the needs of others. And you stop your busy agenda because you put yourself second to them and you serve them first. Friendship happens. Love happens. This is not a day with big first century history and events swirling about. It's not a day with mind-blowing theological treatises being presented to us. None of that. No miraculous healings or shutting down of storms. This is the sixth Sunday of Easter. The Sunday before our Lord ascends. And these are his last words. And if we do nothing today but one thing, church, let it be this. Hear our word, our Lord's last and lasting words. You are someone that Jesus calls friend. And you are someone that Jesus absolutely loves. May you absolutely know this. May you know Jesus. And with that knowledge, will you make Jesus known? Will you be a friend? Amen.